Okay, the countdown is on. So depending on when you are listening to this episode, you have a very limited amount of time to get into my Google Certified Trainer VIP course. So if you want to be a VIP, listen closely. I have a very limited enrollment course that is open until midnight Central Standard Time on May 21st. If you're thinking about summer professional development, if you're thinking about becoming a Google Certified Trainer, now is the perfect time to jump in. Do you want to travel? Do you want to help other teachers learn how to use G Suite in their classroom? Do you want to get your foot in the door as a consultant, trainer, or present at national conferences? Maybe you just want to make a little extra cash in the summer training teachers. Well, this is the e-course that you've been waiting for, the course that will help you on your journey to becoming a Google for Education certified trainer. Please go to the link becomeagoogletrainer.com and check out all of the free resources that are there. Learn about the process. Learn about what it takes to find out if this is the right step for you. Inside this course, you will have access to over 30 video lessons, including the archive, which has some super ninja Google tricks in it, a private Google Plus community where you can connect and learn with others who are also on this journey with you, the ultimate Google Certified Trainer Planner and Checklist, plus the VIP bonuses. So not only do you get all of the content in the course, but you also get some special bonuses to help you take your career to the next level. So there are three additional lessons included in the VIP course that will help you learn how to market yourself, how to get advice from other trainers, and how to improve yourself as a trainer. So I will share all of my favorite tips and tricks. So again, check this out, becomeagoogletrainer.com. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. Okay, Tribe, welcome to episode 17. I kind of can't believe that we've already completed 17 episodes, Matt. I know. I know. This is crazy. I was just trying to count back for somebody the other day how many episodes it was, and I was like... Yeah, it's been like 10 or 12. No, we're getting ready to do 17. (laughs) Yeah, time really flies. And we both, I think, just enjoy this so much that um, it's become pretty easy for us to share. Now, there is something, though, that many of you may not know about Matt and I, something that we actually have in common. We have um, a few things that I think make us very similar, but we're both introverts. Right. And people automatically assume that because we do the things that we do, that we're comfortable talking on a podcast, that we present in front of people, that that means we are extroverts. And I can tell you for sure that I am not an extrovert. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm the same way. I tell Casey that sometimes I'll go to a conference or a school district or something and I'll present the whole day. And I do a really good job, I think, of 
making it look like I'm an extrovert. <laughs> but then after it's all over with, you know, they say that um, extroverts, I think by definition, are people that get their energy from other people and introverts get their energy from being alone. And so after a whole day of being on like that, the, the only thing that I want to do sometimes is if I'm out of town, I just want to go like go back to my hotel room and curl up in the fetal position and just be quiet for a while. Yes, I, I do the same thing and, and I love it. I love helping teachers, but it, it does totally exhaust me so if you ever see matt and i off by ourselves whether we're like in a corner people tend to want to like oh you're by yourself it's okay we're we're re-energizing so um just a couple of of little facts there that you may or may not know about matt and i but uh we we believe in the power of the introvert as well so um so here we are and we we do love sharing and we have a lot to share in this episode, don't we? Yes, yes, that's right. Actually, before this episode, I want to share with you this this uh, saying that I love that goes with introverts. It's like introverts unite on your own in your own houses. Yes, right. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love okay. those. I collect those on Pinterest. So. There you go. There you go. Very good. So yes, going back to the episode. Yes, we do have some some great stuff. So um, we're going to talk about tips and tricks about probably the flagship product in the G Suite in Google Apps, and that would be Google Docs. Probably the one that everybody has gotten started with. That was probably your like gateway into the Google world. So we're going to share some of our favorite little things that make life easier or better. Of course, we've got news and updates. Uh, we've got a couple of really cool reports from some of our listeners of using some of the things we've talked about on the show. And then, of course, we've got a couple of posts from some blogs. So Casey, you ready to do this? Let's go. Okay, folks, it is time for some Google news and updates. And as usual, Google is announcing some very futuristic uh, things that are on the horizon for not just educators, but everyone in the world. Matt, tell us about what is going on with Street View and the new 360 cameras. Ah, Street View, my beloved Street View. This is something that I love to share with people. And it's still, no matter how many times I've, I've shared it, it always seems like, I put Street View up there for the very first time and somebody in the room gasps. It's like it just it just catches them by surprise because sometimes they don't realize that it exists. And um, if you've never done this before, it's in Google Maps and there's the little yellow peg man on the bottom right hand corner. If you're using a Chromebook or a laptop, you can do Street View with an app if you've got an, an iPad. And so you drag the little yellow guy onto the street and all of a sudden it shows you this like. 360 degree panoramic view of the world from down on the street. And I I love being able to incorporate this in the classroom. And now Google is taking this whole street view idea to another level with these new 360 degree cameras. And so I've just recently gotten to know the idea of the 360 degree camera. I know there's like the Ricoh Theta has been around for a little while. And so there's a couple of different ones out there. And now as more and more 360 degree cameras come up, now Google is creating what they call street view ready certification, which means that in some instances, you'll be able to publish street view quality images, those 360 degree ones from a mobile app, or you can do them from 
you know, a variety of different kinds of cameras in different ways. There's some of them that are VR ready so that you can see them, uh, directly from a, a VR viewer and just on and on. So, um, that's something that if, if you love photography and you want to get into this whole idea, you know, we've, we've done so much with consuming, you know, we consume a lot of this kind of thing, but if kids are going to produce, you know, that's some kind of a theme that we talk about a lot, then this is another, just another way for kids to be able to create and be able to share their work, I think. Yeah, I think this is super exciting, Matt. I, yeah, I, it is. I think it's a great uh, introduction to some high quality creation, you know, that we're, we're not only letting Google archive the world for us, but we can now contribute. And before it was a little wonky, you know, we have the photospheres and some of those things. And I, I know I have a couple on there, um, but they are not at all high quality. So it'll be great. When, now, this says something about the these new cameras that are coming in later this year is that correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so look for that so something that's on the horizon you know google never fails to surprise us with the things that they're working on and they are so open that's one of the things that i love about google is they work well with others and they crowdsource and allow us to contribute as well so I, that's one of my favorite things about that yeah and hopefully this will be a little bit of an improvement over when you would shoot these photosphere shots with your camera and you would have people like cut in half because they weren't there as you came back around. If you've ever seen any of those before, hopefully this will be a little improvement over that. Yes. Some ghosting. I had right. some ghosting. So yes. um, we also have a really interesting update to Google Plus. And so let me plug Google Plus for a moment here. I am a big fan of Google Plus. I've actually done several posts on it and and talk about it a lot. And some people still kind of joke that Google Plus is the social network for the people who work for Google because yes, they're the I've only ones one using it. <laughs> But um, that's not really true. And I will tell you, there are a lot of educators that are using Google Plus for good. And um, there are a lot of communities out there. And communities are one of my favorite resources inside Google Plus because you can have both private and public communities inside Google Plus, which is great for PLCs and for connecting and learning and expanding your personal learning network. You know, there are Google communities on pretty much every topic that we've ever talked about on this podcast, by the way. So things like Google Classroom has its own community and you can join and share. So what we have in this update is something pretty simple, but I think this is a a powerful little update that we've got is you now have the ability to invite someone to a community with just a link. And so with this community invite link, community owners and moderators can share an invite link with their group however they choose. People with the link will then be able to directly join both private and ask to join public communities. And anyone who doesn't have a Google account or a Google Plus profile will be able to create one along the way. So sort of also making that part of the process. So um, these communities that are restricted to a given G Suite organization will continue to be only accessible to members of that organization. So that doesn't change any of that. But there is a nice little, you know, sometimes it's just nice just to give people a link instead of trying to invite. And with all the accounts that we all have these days, that gets kind of confusing so yes yes absolutely 
So great little update to Google Plus. Um, also, I just wanted to mention this because I, I I got this in my inbox last week. And if you didn't know this, Google for Education actually has a newsletter that they send out periodically. And it's a little difficult to find where to subscribe to it. So we have put the link in our show notes, googleteachertribe.com slash 17, and go down to the very bottom of the page. They don't have a specific link that I could find that is just for subscribing, but there's a little box down there. Just plug in your email and you will get uh, sort of a conglomeration, a, 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 a summary of those important updates. So a lot of the things that we had already talked about in the podcast were in last week's newsletter. So it didn't really need to revisit those with you. But I thought, you know what? Everybody needs to know that this is, exists and to subscribe because there are some some great resources and links that you can find in that newsletter. Yeah, that's that's really nice thing to have. You know, it seems like people talk a lot about how hard it is to keep up with Google and there's all of this stuff that's always coming out. And that's one of the reasons I think people listen to this show. And this is one of those really easy ways to to help you keep up with it is just subscribe to that. And as stuff comes out, then it's delivered right in your inbox. Pretty easy. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, Google Docs, I think for so many of us, was kind of like our first step into the Google world. And I can still remember early on when I was learning about it and how this little blue share button popped up. And I'm going, can you really do that? Can you really share this thing with other people? And just kind of uncovering all the little nuances of of Google Docs along the way sort of endeared it to me more and more. And As Google has continued to improve on Google Docs, it has gotten to be a pretty robust little word processor, don't you think? Oh, yeah. It is a super powerful word processor. Wow, that was good. Super, like, superpowers, like... Super excited? Yes, and that too, yes. Yes. Exactly. So what Casey and I thought we would do is pull together some of our favorite little tips and tricks when it comes to Google Docs in particular. For me, I wanted to start off with something that hides in the menu in Google Docs that you may not have seen before, and that is the automatic substitution. And this one is buried deep down in the menu. You've got to click on tools and then go to preferences to be able to find automatic substitution. And so the way that it's set up in a Google Doc is that it's got certain things that it will replace with something else. So the very first one in the list happens to be for the copyright sign, you know, the little C with the circle around it. And so Google has it set up so that if you put parentheses around a C, it's going to automatically turn that into a copyright sign. But the thing that I really like about this is that if you have certain phrases or sentences or different things that you type into Google Docs and you do it on a regular basis, if you set up the automatic substitution ahead of time, then it will actually type those things out for you. So if I wanted to type in a sentence like, revise this sentence to make it a complete sentence, I don't know if I would exactly word it that way, but if it was something like that and I felt like I said that over and over and over again, then what I could do is I could come over to replace and I could make just a little code. Like if I wanted to say this was complete, then I might do CMPL, you know, something that you wouldn't actually type um, during the course of your, your document. 
And so as soon as I type in CMPL and I hit that space button, then it's going to replace those little four letters with that entire sentence. And so this is kind of nice. If you if you set this up in one document and then you continually made copies off of it, then it would always bring those same automatic substitution rules up. So that was my question. Does it apply to every doc or is it doc specific? I was thinking that it were applied to individual docs. I guess we'll find out after this is over with. Somebody will, will probably email us and correct, which is okay, okay with me. But um, I'm going to go with that at least. And I know that this is a nice tool to have anyway when it comes to that because I've I've actually installed little programs on my computer that will autocomplete things for me like that. But if it's like baked into Google Docs, then this is this is one way that you can use it. Yeah, I like it. I really haven't made use of that. I knew it was in there, but um, I hadn't really thought about using the text expander option, which that was one of the Chrome extensions that we talked about a few weeks ago right. um, that kind of allowed us to do that. But it didn't work inside Google Docs. So thanks, Matt. I think I, I can make some good use of this. It's, I love time savers. Right. <laughs> so I had a hard time choosing my favorite tips and tricks. One of the things that I love about teaching Google Docs Docs is it's a great foundation for all of G Suite. So many of the things that we may mention may also work inside some of the other applications, even though this episode is sort of focused on on Docs. And um, I want to share the feature that is found under Tools, and it's called Voice Typing. So if you go inside your doc and you go to tools and voice typing, the first time you'll have to enable your microphone, but you can dictate into the document. Better yet, students can dictate into a Google Doc. So this is, you know, this is speech to text built right into Docs, by the way. You can do this in speaker notes and Google Slides as well now. But and it's very intuitive because I think people have heard me mention Siri does not understand me. She does not speak East Texan. So, <laughs> um, but the Google engine, which this is running, which, you know, works with OK Google and the other things uh, is is much better. And you can dictate even your um all of your formatting as you go, you know, you can say new paragraph, you can say bold, you can, you know, all of those things and, and dictate in there. And so not only is this great, because most of us talk a lot faster than we can type, but um, think of the ways that this can help our students, because obviously, typing skills are still one of those things that everybody goes back and forth about, you know, so that this eliminates some of the problems we have with the keyboard. But this also um, allows us to Give us some good modifications for students. Um, the little ones who can speak in complete sentences, even though they can't quite type them yet, could dictate into a Google Doc. And, you know, some of our other students that just just need a little bit of extra support. And um, this is another way that we can support them in the classroom. And so I just I love the fact that this is all built in to Google Docs. I think that talking to our devices is something that we're going to become more and more accustomed to as time goes on. I know I'm now talking to my my phone, you know, dictating to Google to do various things for me. And so as that becomes more and more commonplace and we become more comfortable with it, I could see this being used even more as time goes on. 
Um, so before I move on to my next one, I have a quick update from my first one. While Casey was talking, yes, I promise I was listening to you. But while she was talking, I was checking out automatic substitution. And I went to tools and uh, preferences. And I set up a new replace with, like what I was just talking about. And it turns out that it is global for all of your docs. If you do it for one, then it applies for all of the remaining docs. So if you set it up just once then for the foreseeable future, every new doc that you start up, it will have one of those. A lot of people use Google Docs on Chromebooks, which makes sense because, you know, Chromebooks are are kind of built with Google apps in mind. And there's one little sneaky trick that is really useful when you're using Docs, especially if you're doing research or if you have a whole bunch of other tabs open, which I know, you know, if you do research with Google Docs, then sometimes you end up going outside to other sites, even though, of course, you can use your little explore button. But if you want to switch between those tabs really quickly, there is a little ninja Chromebook trick that you can use. And whenever I have teachers or students that are seeing Chromebooks, either for the first time or if they've seen them for a little while, I can show them this and they're like, oh, that's so cool. And so what you do is you put three fingers on the touchpad. And while you've got those three fingers there, you just drag your fingers to the right or to the left. And it will switch between the tabs that you have open in that window. So instead of having to go up and click, which takes time, and trying to use any sort of keyboard shortcut or whatever, that's a really easy one to do. So that one applies to Chromebooks, but the reason I included it here was it is really, really useful with a lot of things that you do with Google Docs. Nice. I love things that help me navigate faster. And uh, one of those those things is using keyboard shortcuts as well. Are you a keyboard shortcut guy, Matt? I Yes. For the ones that I can remember, I use them all the time. I'm <laughs> yeah. always trying to learn new ones. Yeah, that is a tough one. Um, so uh, I love using keyboard shortcuts. And one of the ones that I use more often than, than others is copy and paste, right? Yes. You know, a lot of people do the right click to copy and paste, and that's fine. But I am so used to the Control C to copy and Control V to paste. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I really don't know why it took me so long to discover is when I paste things from one document to another or wherever it's coming from, it doesn't always match the style, the font, the font size, the color. Sometimes when you copy things over from the web, it's got like a a background color. And so that drives me crazy. Right. And I would spend like for ever trying to adjust it and, you know, change it back. Well, there is a little trick here. So it's called paste and match style. And you and you can do this from um, right clicking as well. But instead of just using control V to paste, also hold the shift key down. So control shift V will paste and match style so that it'll go in as whatever font you're already using inside your document or your slides or wherever you are. And so that's a huge time saver for me because oftentimes I'm updating things and maybe I've decided I don't like that font anymore and I want to reformat everything. And so anyway, it's a big, big time saver. So that again is paste and match style. So control shift V. 
Yeah, that's one that I have started using all the time. I'm the same way with with you, Casey. I had never known about that one, and now I use it all the time. And the only thing that I've found that's kind of a drawback is that when you highlight and copy something that has an active link in it, that it actually pastes it just as text instead of the link. So. That's the that's the only thing that that I that I sort of didn't like about it, but it's not enough for me to not use it. So I'll yeah, still sometimes you can go add the link faster than right. you could reformat the whole thing. So I'm with you on yes. that. Yes, no, I totally agree with you on that, and that's not going to stop me from from using that one. So I think that one's great. Now, since we were talking about formatting, there is one thing that I really love that is. Um, that is possible with Google Docs. And it has to do with a similar similar thing to what Casey just mentioned. Instead of pasting, what you can do is you can highlight some text that already exists and then go to Format and Clear Formatting. It's one of the options under the Format menu. And you can also use either Control or Command and the Backslash key. Now, I'm going to do a quick public service announcement about the Backslash. The backslash was not nearly as popular as it was in the 80s when it was an important part of DOS. And so if you are trying to do a trying to tell someone what to type in for a URL or a website, guess what? 999 times out of a thousand, it's not a backslash. It's a forward slash. Okay, public service announcement over. (laughs) <laughs> but that is one place where we can actually use the backslash key again. Um, I think I almost said the word backsplash. You have one of those in your kitchen maybe, but not on your computer. So you're going to use control or command and the backslash key to clear that formatting. Yes, I use that one quite a bit too, especially with large pieces of text when I'm copying and pasting. Now, um, there is a shortcut to forcing someone to make a copy of a Google Doc. And it is a very simple little shortcut. And and the thing is, when you're sharing things like a lesson plan, maybe in Google Docs with another teacher, and you tell them, oh, yeah, here's mine, go make a copy, and then you make it your own. Well, half the time they forget that they're still in your doc, and they start messing with your stuff, right? right. And, yeah, I know. So and then you're like, hey, hey, and then you got to go back and revise it. And they've got to copy and paste into a new document. Well, you can actually force them into making a copy. And the way that you can do that is you can go into the URL of your Google Doc and the word edit appears at the end. Change the word edit to the word copy and then copy and paste that entire URL into the email or on your web page or wherever it's going to share with someone so that they will then be prompted to make a copy. They won't even go into the document They'll be prompted to make a copy. Now, one little thing to remember, sharing still applies. So it's not going to magically be available for them to make a copy if they don't at least have viewing rights. So usually I tell people at least do that anyone with the link can view so that they can make a copy. Because guess what? If you type their email address in, they're still going to get the notification. They're going to open up your document and they can still forget to do that whole make a copy thing. Now, this little trick was really, really important back before we had Google Classroom because we needed to use this with our students to get them to make copies of templates and things like that. Not so much as important with the kids now because Google Classroom sort of takes care of that for us. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this one's for the adults. <laughs> Yes. So, um, and, and anytime I share templates on my blog, 
I use this little trick. So like the magnetic poetry and things like that that I've shared, I just use that force a copy little link. And um, that way I'm not getting the requests either. Hey, can you share this with so-and-so? Oh, no, no, yeah. nobody got time for that. So anyway, right. yeah. So just change the URL. Um, we've got step-by-step directions in our resources in our show notes. So don't forget to go to googleteachertribe.com slash 17. One little trick that I've learned when it comes to force a copy, and this is kind of like your advanced defensive Google sharing tactics. All right. So you're ready for this. Sometimes people give me the force copy link and I think I don't want to clutter my Google drive up with an extra copy of this. I just want to see what it is. So you know what I do whenever that happens, Casey? You change it back. I change it back. Exactly. So what you can do is you can go right back up to that same link. Remember, Casey was telling you to just change it to the word copy. Sometimes I'll change it to the word view. Now, there's only a handful of words that you can use on this. You know, you can't just throw a random word in there and it'll do something like wouldn't it be nice if you just put the word bacon in there and then it would just serve you. Big. I'm sorry, I've gotten off track here, <laughs> but view is one that does work. Um, so I'll just change that word copy to the word view and then it'll pop it up there so that I can see what it is before I decide if I want to make a copy myself. So if, if somebody's put that up there and you really don't want to make a copy, then just go change that word back and then, and then you can, you can see it too. Anyway, those are some of the things that we have. We would love to hear your ideas too, and your, your top tips for Google docs. So make sure that you leave those as a comment over at googleteachertribe.com slash 17. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, Go to edupodcastnetwork.com. Okay, it is time for the Google Teacher Tribe mailbag. We love hearing from you and we get all kinds of of feedback and questions and ideas and please keep them coming. Um, You can leave us a voicemail at googleteachertribe.com and we would love to play your voice message on our episode. So today we have a, a few little emails, I believe these were um, mm-hmm. coming from emails that we got. And one of them is from Paula Frank. Hi, Paula. And thank you so much for sharing this. Paula had a comment to add to our Google Earth episode. And so what she discovered is that you can also type in different coordinates into Google Earth and it will take you there. So not only did she discover this, she then used it with her students and she created an entire um, document that she has shared with us that gives the uh, all of the locations and the coordinates for uh, north, south, east, and west so that the kids can also learn and associate what that means as they explore these different locations. So thank you so much for sharing this, Paula, and giving us the link so that we can share this with the Google Teacher Tribe listeners. Yeah, definitely go check this out. It's pretty cool. All you have to do is just copy those uh, latitude and longitude numbers over to Google Earth and you get to fly right there. So that's cool. 
Let me tell you what else is cool. We got a message from Arlie Hall, a third grade, he puts third grade teacher extraordinaire um, from what looks like Coquille Valley Elementary School. I'm sure that I butchered the pronunciation of that. So my apologies. But he said, I am super excited to share. He is super excited. He gets extra credit for that. What his third grade classroom did recently for Mother's Day. And basically, here's what they did. He heard us talking about Screencastify. So he decided what better time to bring Screencastify into the classroom than Mother's Day. So his third grade students write their Mother's Day essays. They choose a special family member they want to celebrate on Mother's Day and write an essay explaining how much they mean. And then what did they do? They took those essays, practiced reading them, recorded them on Screencastify. And so they recorded videos of these third graders in their little third grade voices reading these essays. And then they printed printed on cardstock and they gave the links to their loved ones on Mother's Day. I thought that was such a good idea and what a cool thing for them to be able to receive and hang on to. That's so sweet. I, I love know. that idea. That's 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 a great use of, of all of those tools there and sharing that with us. So um, I would love to see these, by the way, too. I'm always asking, hey, do you have permission? Can we can we see right. what they created? So, um, Arlie, if you can share that with us, we, w- we would love to be able to see the examples of these two and share these with other teachers. Yes, definitely. And so we got one other request. This comes from Lee Howell from Leander ISD in Texas. And so she mentions how it's getting close to the end of the year. It's about time to wrap up school. And it's also time to wrap the end of the year up for Google. So she says, I'm wondering if y'all, she actually did say y'all, she is from Texas, of course, are thinking of an end of year Google processes episode. And so that's something that Casey and I have thought about. And we wanted to kind of throw this out to you guys too, because we know, and this has actually been a little bit of a hesitation on our part to not just jump right in with this, is that we know that so many different school districts and schools do different things with their end of the year processes. So we'd like to share some of the things that you guys do so that if your school district doesn't have anything in particular, maybe you can get some ideas. So if you have anything to share with us, please shoot us an email or a voice message on googleteachertribe.com or even tweet to GT Tribe on Twitter. And we will share a bunch of those in an upcoming episode. Yes, and we we realize that everybody kind of has a different way of doing things, but um, if we can be of assistance, we would love to. I want to back up just one second, Matt, because that teacher is from oh, yeah. my former school district in, in Leander ISD. So shout out to uh, Lee Howell and Leander and all of my friends in LISD. And yes, we do say y'all. That's how we roll. Exactly. Very good. <laughs> All right, Casey, it's on the blog's time. So we're going to jump over to a couple of blog posts that may interest you. And mine actually comes from Edudemic, which has, it's a great blog that has just all sorts of articles related to education and technology. And not too long ago, they published this, this article called Flashback to 2000 classroom tech that doesn't exist anymore. So think for just a second about some of the stuff that may have existed in 2000 that definitely doesn't anymore. You want to hear what they came up with? They have floppy disks, microfish, TV and VCR carts, which is sad because I remember as a student, whenever you saw your teacher push the TV VCR cart into your classroom, it was going to be a good day. 
So you've got that. It says notebooks and binders, although I still see a lot of those. And there's a few other ones that you can go check out. And then they also do a looking ahead about what might be disappearing soon into the future. And I won't spoil all of them for you, but I will say that one that is very near and dear to my heart of things that need to be ditched, textbooks. They suggest that printed textbooks maybe are on their way out. So anyway, if you're interested in checking that out and seeing what they have and doing a little bit of reflection, you can see the link to that edudemic article in our show notes. Yes, and I'm sure that list will continue to grow as as things evolve and we get new technology and new ideas in our classrooms. Yes. I have uh, something special to share today. So uh, several weeks ago, I put a call out with a Google form asking for people to share with me their hashtags and their Twitter chats. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to share something on social media, more specifically on Twitter, I'm not always sure which hashtag to use to reach the people I'm trying to connect with. And a lot of the hashtags out there, of course, are like acronyms and they're shortened. And so trying to figure out what they are and what they mean Mm -hmm. is is a is a puzzle in itself. So, uh, you know, there are lots of lists out there. Cyberary Man has a great list of educational hashtags, but it's just a list. I still don't know necessarily what they mean or what the purpose is. So, I created a searchable hashtag database, and I did this using uh, not only Google Forms, but it, all the data is, of course, in a Google Sheet, and I created an awesome table that's embedded in the blog post, and so um, these things are all connected, so um, if you fill out that form, you're going to be added to that database, and it it grew very quickly. Just I think when I posted it, I had just over 90, and now we are far over 100, but I love this, so this is to help you find what you're looking for. Maybe you just want to see, hey, what chats are going on on a Monday? You can go in there and filter and see exactly what chats are happening on a Monday. And so this will help us connect and hopefully help everybody sort of find the hashtags that that work for them and what they teach and to connect and learn and expand our personal learning networks even further. So, so go check that out. That is the educational hashtag and Twitter chat database on shakeuplearning.com. Uh, And I'm so glad that you did this. I remember when you started it, I thought, man, this is a pretty ambitious project, but it looks really good. And I did just realize that there is one hashtag that's missing from this list. Which one? That would be the ditch book hashtag, which I am. No, it's in there. Oh, is it really? Yep. <laughs> oh, okay. It was submitted. It was submitted more than once too. So. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I need to go uh-huh. look a little bit more closely. Yeah, oh, you could. Yeah, I think I just found it. Okay. Yep, there it is. Never mind. Right. I'm not okay, going to put good. it in there. <laughs> That's funny. So, yeah, the, this is this is great. And there's so many of them in here. And I'm the same way with sharing. So I'm really glad that you put this together. And, of course, you can find this on our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 17. OK, 
Hey friends, that wraps up another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe. We hope you all learned something new today and that you will continue to help us learn and grow with you. That is the point of the Google Teacher Tribe. So uh, please keep sharing and sending in feedback and we hope to see you next week in episode 18. Yeah, I think that we've got some new Google Docs ninjas or at least some people with some new ninja skills. So, And we'll have more ninja skills for you on our next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe. All right. Catch y'all next time. I think you need to say bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you.